Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here with Jennifer Vosberg, who's the Vice President of Marketing at Tago. Hey, Jennifer, how are you? Hey, Andy, great. Thanks so much for having me today. My pleasure. I'm excited about our conversation. Me too. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do at Tego? So um, I run the marketing over here at Tego. Um, I am primarily responsible for putting together full-scale marketing campaigns to help drive new revenue, new clients for Tego. I've been here almost two years. I love what I do. Um, it's really impactful to see that uh, I came in here with uh, – I came in – when the company had no marketing strategy and I've been a part of building that strategy out and in you know just under two years we have really made some terrific strides in how we market to our customer base we've really invested a lot in marketing and sales to create some unique event experiences and really improve our lead generation wonderful wonderful I'm looking forward to digging in here so tell me a little bit about Tego what does Tego do Sure. Tago is an engineering technology firm. So what we do is we can do anything from IT projects such as cloud migrations, um, infrastructure upgrades, professional services, IT projects, network assessments to our Tago advisory services team, which also does security audit and compliance. So our biggest differentiator, in my opinion, is that we have the advisory services team because there are very few IT providers who can actually come in, um, give that objective perspective on security, as well as having the certifications that are required for some of these compliance requirements, such as CMMC or HIPAA. And if you don't know what those acronyms are, I can break those out for you. But a lot of clients, um, are really concerned with improving cybersecurity. It's obviously top of mind for every organization in America. And so to be able to offer that unique perspective and that service is really what sets us apart from our competition. So software and services and, and hardware even, it sounds like the full stack. Yeah, not so much as software. It's more um, hardware installation, uh, IT projects. So if you are migrating to the cloud or if you are moving um, on-prem to a data center or a different data center, things like that, we can come in and help with that. We do a lot of physical IT projects. We also do a lot of remote ones because, you know, when you're in the cloud, you can do all of that stuff remotely. And so with the, with the kind of projects that you do, are you building like failover redundant services uh, solutions as well for your clients as part of building out their full infrastructure and kind of leveling up their 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 infrastructure and that is part of a scope. Absolutely. So when a, when we're working with a client, you know, it's our job to um, be the consultant for them. So we recommend the solution based on what's best for the needs of their organization. We don't really focus on selling the technology. We focus on solving the business problem. So 
failover redundancy is a really key piece of that. Um, if you don't have a good backup, if you don't test your backup, if you don't have a replication, you are in big trouble if something happens to you. So we really try to educate our clients on what we think is going to help them be more productive, be more profitable, and be more secure. And, you know, if they want to see a specific product demo, obviously we can do that. But we really focus on solving the problem and not so much selling the technology. I love that because it aligns with their business goals and their direction. And uh, it's a durable solution long term as well. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about what a typical engagement looks like. So and I'm sure it's all over the board. You have clients who probably have. Uh, healthcare is one particular set of circumstances versus uh, a, a, another vertical a legal firm, for example. Um, who are your typical clients and, and what does an engagement look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So we really try to um, market to clients that are in highly regulated industries, have a lot of data, um, need IT staff because they might have one to two people. So they're essentially looking for help with larger IT projects or even engineering residencies where some of our guys go on site or are remote and just kind of serve as the engineer specifically for that client. Engineering residencies are really popular here. So anytime there's a new engagement, essentially what we do is we have a kickoff call with the client. We go through the scope of work and we outline, you know, here's the project, here's the project timeline, the budget. We have a really amazing project manager who keeps us all on track, on budget, all of that. And we clearly set the expectations with the client and with our internal teams, because if you don't do that ahead of time, you're just creating a mess down the line. So one of the things I think, again, that sets us apart from our competition is we are very good at setting expectations. We are very good with our turnaround time. Um, we, we're committed to making sure that whatever we tell the client is gonna happen in a timely manner. And then we're gonna see that project through to the end. And, and I was just about to ask about the end. So when the end happens, there seems to be probably a lot of newness in what you deliver for your client because it's maybe even architected differently if you're going from an on-prem solution to a cloud-based solution. Mm -hmm. um, as part of the scope of what you do, do you put together a handoff kind of book with them or how does that handoff happen once the initial project is done or, or do you have ongoing services that provide those solutions for the client at that point? It depends on the scope of the project, but um, it's it's a little of both. So if it's a install and we're not managing any of the equipment or the services, you know, it's pretty much done at that point. If we're managing something specific, we, you know, make sure we're in contact with that client. When it comes to a security or a compliance project, there's always an after action report that's delivered, especially when it's an assessment. So there's a lot of corrective actions or recommendations that we make to the client in order for them to stay compliant. And so we often continue to work with clients past the project to kind of map out what their future projects are. So for example, if you're trying to harden your environment and make your environment more secure, you might do one project up front where you're replacing the outdated servers. And then maybe in six months or the next budgeting year, you're looking at doing something different as part of that plan. So we really try to work with our clients and roadmap 
potential projects make sure that, again that it's within budget and within the scope of what they're trying to accomplish for the needs of their organization and then just kind of go from there and make sure that you know the client knows they can always come talk to us if they have questions or technical difficulties or anything like that and i would imagine it at various points of the conversation some clients might say I don't know if we have the budget for this. We didn't plan for this in our in our budget. Nobody plans for surprises, right? Mm -hmm. so, uh, how do you deal with those kinds of circumstances? Obviously, it's you know what the alternative is. You inherit all this risk that could be more expensive. But how do you get that down to the street level so that you can create budget for what you do so that it's mission critical? That's a really good question. So uh, most of the time their budget is especially we find here in the um government or regulated industry space the budget is the budget can't change it okay we can work around that so let's figure out again what's highest priority so if we recommend to you that you need to do a security risk assessment and you need to do three other things the engineer or the security expert working on the project will make the recommendation of what we feel is the biggest priority um, from a risk perspective um, and from an operational perspective. And then we will, again, kind of do that roadmap exercise where we'll say, okay, this is what you're doing this year with this budget. You need to plan in future budgets for these projects. And here's sort of an estimate of what you can try to budget for because these are the things that are going to keep your environment secure or keep your environment operational. Do you do a vulnerability test up front with clients to kind of show them where there may be weaknesses in their architecture? We can do vulnerability management. Um, that's actually one of the things that we recommend when we're doing any security risk assessment or even a network assessment. Um, one of the things that we've really kind of honed in on lately is um, incident response and disaster recovery tabletop testing. So testing your plans to make sure that your environment would be able to recover uh, in the need or in the time of, you know, a hurricane, a pandemic, <laughs> any of those things that you experience, you know, that's what the, the testing is good for. Vulnerability management is also really critical because it we can do internal and external testing along with penetration testing to determine if criminals or cyber attackers, however you want to refer to them, can get into your environment and you know test those actual vulnerabilities. Because if we can simulate that, it's a lot easier to illustrate the benefits of a specific solution or service because we're just testing it but if we could do it somebody else could too and the consequences are pretty dire at that point <laughs> yes yeah you never want your data to be held captive you never want to have to figure out how you're going to re recover from a cyber attack and i think i think sometimes organizations have this mentality of it won't happen to me and what we like to say is it's not if it'll happen to you, it's when. And you need to be prepared for the fallout of that because you're not just losing time and money and energy, you're potentially losing customers and customer trust, especially when it comes to a healthcare breach. And it even happens at a very basic level that sometimes where people don't even expect like having outdated plugins in their WordPress website or something like that, that 
somebody you know tunnels in somehow and brings down the website and then you're scrambling to cleanse all those files and do all that kind of stuff that now your your back is up against the wall and when, anytime you have any kind of issue especially cybersecurity issue you're you're in emergency drill mode and so having a plan around that is uh, is critical i love the way companies start and grow and and the trajectory of that tell me a little bit about the history of the company and how the company started and 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 how long ago that was and, and where you guys are in your life cycle. Sure. So Takeo was established in 2008 and about six years ago, the current owners, there are three, bought out the previous owners and they were really focused on building a workplace culture that was built on accountability, creative freedom, uh, a healthy work-life balance. And I can tell you that I've been here almost two years and they've done a fantastic job of that. Uh, I am never afraid to fail. <laughs> I don't feel like anything that I do is going to get the answer no. It's always, let's try this, let's try this. And if it doesn't work, we can try something else. Um, they're very intent on thinking outside the box and their dedication to customer excellence is one of the things that's carried them so far and gotten us into some pretty big accounts that you know give us the ability to do more than what we were doing a couple years ago so we've they've worked really hard to build a fantastic team of experts to build a strong client base and to establish trust with those clients because we deliver and if we didn't deliver we would not be where we are today Love all of that. That's great. And, and building a, a great company culture within is, uh, is, is critical, as you know. Um, happy employees make happy customers. And yes, everybody's pulling on the rope together in that regard. So love, love to hear that. Um, on the business side, tell me a little bit about how the company generates revenue. What's the business model? Yeah, so um, infrastructure sales, obviously, any product, that's a good piece of our budget. Uh, recurring services. So any subscriptions or licensing for particular products or services uh, and then projects. So IT projects, cloud projects, security audit, compliance projects. Those are all the types of ways that we generate revenue. And so we we've done a really good job, I think, at building a sales team that's focused on, again, not selling the technology, but really building those relationships and establishing trust and recommending what we think is going to help them focus on their business and help solve business problems. And so you might go in and start on one particular project, like you might be doing a cloud migration and then discover, hey, you're not really doing as much patching as you should be, or you don't have a really reliable backup. Let's talk about that. So, you know, going into an account, you might go in with one opportunity, but as you build a relationship and you build that trust, you find other ways and the client continues to come back to you because they know that you've done a good job. Yeah, that consultative approach is really a, a differentiator. And you end up leading with value through that whole process. And I think, you know, companies that lead with value upfront um, tend to earn that trust because they're they're demonstrating value, they're demonstrating expertise, and they're they're helping to identify both problems and solutions so that you don't have a fire drill down the road. And I but, think the other piece that's critical here is having 
a team who is very well versed at explaining things from a technical perspective, but also reframing them to the benefit of a customer. So um, our CEO, for example, is very involved in the pre-sales process, and he is often on many client calls explaining the benefit of a solution or why you need to do X, Y, Z. And again, that's a, a great way that sets us apart from our competitors because we're getting in there, we're talking to them, and we're offering that consultative approach, but it's not all technical. Like we understand that there are different people in the room at different times, and we need to tailor our message to that audience. Makes a lot of sense. And, and that's a good lead into my next question is, as a content marketing guy myself, I'm always curious as to what value content marketing has added to your story and, and how you tell your story. Oh man, content marketing is essential to what we do. So um, I love writing blog posts, uh, especially when it has something to do with uh, a customer where it was like a win or a success story. That's my favorite kind to write. But explaining the benefit of a particular solution or service without making it a sales pitch. And you can do that if you know how to write and you understand your audience and you're taking that position of a consultant or an, an expert who is offering guidance. And I think that's one of the easiest ways you can educate and gain trust with your prospects is by creating content that's relevant to what they want to see. You know, nobody wants to get an email where they're like, hey, buy this or, you know, do this. What they want is they want to know that you know what you're talking about and that you can deliver on what you say. And so content marketing plays into that really heavily because it's not just blog posts, but like white papers, social media, creating videos, all of that stuff plays into um, the buyer persona and the buyer process and how they can relate to whatever it is that they're reading and be intrigued enough to want to learn more about Tago. Love all of that. It makes a lot of sense. And, and leading with value, like you're saying, is all part of sharing that kind of those insights with customers in your blog posts and in your videos so that you're providing them some useful information up front. Yeah. Um, I guess my last question for you is uh, a year from now, what would you like to be celebrating? Oh, man. Um, I would like to celebrate the success of this year because, you know, I would say even though I wasn't here at Tago at the beginning of the pandemic, the past few years have been really challenging, but we have done really well as an organization. And I think, again, it goes back to the types of relationships that we have with our customers, our reputation, our ability to come in and solve problems. And so I would love to see in a year that we've gotten, you know, more customers, more Tago team members, um, more awards. You know, we made the Inc. 5000 for the first time last year, and we made the Solution Provider 500. So getting our name out there on those types of lists, again, just kind of speaks to our integrity and our ability to deliver truly excellent service. And I would love to see that continue a year from now to five years from now. Love that. It's really exciting. I'm glad to hear all the success that you're having. Jennifer Fosberg from Tago. It's tagodata.com. Go check them out. Thanks, Jennifer. I appreciate it. Thank you, Andy. Hey. Are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io, W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E.io 
and schedule a time to meet with us and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.